Welcome to the reInvent Relevance podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mutzfeld, Director of Learning at Merfeld Career Management. Our show is about what we do to help people who want to take charge of their careers. We call it reinventing relevance, embracing change to do the work worth doing. Now, when you're leaving a job or pivoting into a new job, there's a certain amount of legal paperwork that has to go on. You probably will never see it, but you just might. So knowing some of those pitfalls is important. Joining me today on the, on the show is Adam Bartram. He is an attorney, and he's going to go over some of the pitfalls that you may encounter on your career journey. Now, let me disclaim right up front, this is not legal advice. If you have need of legal advice, consult an attorney. An attorney is a good person to have in your corner. And remember, attorney is the one working for you. The lawyer works for the other guy. <laughs> Adam, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. All righty. So let's just start off here. What are some of the common legal issues that a person might come across when they're conducting a job search, even if, especially if they're still employed? There, there's a, a kind of a gray area. When you're looking to leave, you're looking to pull the ripcord and see what color your parachute is. How, how, what should be, you be aware of that you might not be aware of? Yeah, I'd say the first thing that, you know, people with one foot in and one foot out looking for greener pastures in a new job is make sure you don't have a non-compete. Um, you know, that is, that is one thing. If you're going to bounce around in the same space, that may prohibit you from doing that. So, um, and, and sometimes you sign it 10, 12 years ago and you forget about it. So, I think you, you got to make sure, you know, one, do you have a non-compete? And then two, if you do, you got to go get it looked at because you got to know some are enforceable, some aren't. Um, it's yeah. very fact specific. So, um, you know, going to talk to, you know, the attorney, um, to a specialist, to somebody. And that's what I would say too. Don't just go to a general practitioner. Go to somebody who knows what they're talking about because the rules on non-compete are state by state and they're constantly changing. So you need to talk to an expert. Gotcha, okay. And what if, what if you are privy to confidential company information? How do you protect yourself in that situation if your boss decides to come at you and say, whoa, wait a minute, you have privileged information in your brain or, or on your smartphone? What, what are some things that, that might come into play there? You no, know, it's a great question. So, and a lot of times it happens innocently. You maybe you forward something to your Gmail because you're going to work from home that weekend. You put it on a USB drive. You know, you transfer it to your home computer, and maybe you forget about it. But uh, if, if you do have confidential information belonging to the company, that is company property. So, you know, I I would advise people, um, even though this isn't legal advice, Fred, uh, do an audit. Uh, make sure you go through, you check your Gmail, you check your computer, you check your thumb drives, because, you know, certainly you can't steal things, but you also don't want to, un you know, by accident be in possession of some of these things, because all the same, it can still result in a legal claim against you. Gotcha. Now, now what about things like contacts and, and any sort of things that are obviously not privileged information. Are, are you safe to take your contact list with you? I know, I know in sales, this is a, <laughs> your contact list is worth your weight in gold and it can still get you in trouble, I'm sure. Well, what about contacts? Yeah, so contacts, that's a tricky one. And, and that's gonna be a case by case basis. Uh, there is an argument that if you've amassed your contacts by being a face forward person for the company, then that, that list could be the company's property. 
I would say err on the side of caution, work with your HR department, figure out, um, you know, what you can take, what you can't, you know, you're obviously you're entitled to take your, your, your family pictures back or, you know, some personal tax documents you may have, but that contact list is a gray area. So I would, you know, you want to err on the side of caution. And, and the reason is these lawsuits, um, whether they be non-computer trade secret, they are incredibly expensive. They move very fast. Um, and you know, it's, it's not uncommon for an individual to incur 20 or $30,000 of legal fees in the first 45 days of one of these lawsuits. Ooh. Yeah, I'll let, <laughs> that would definitely be a rocky start to any new job. Right. <laughs> so, so how can you go about protecting yourself? Let's say you, you, you've reached the point where you're like, I've had enough, I've got my new job lined up or whatever you're going on to. If my next thing, I'm ready to go to that. What, how do you protect yourself when you leave a job, when you approach your boss and say, look, I'm out? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's always good to to end on good terms. You want to end amicably, um, you know. In addition to what we've talked about already, make sure you don't have a non-compete. Uh, make sure you've returned all company property. You know, it, there's nothing good that happens from flaming your former employer on the way out the door or to third parties because <laughs> that very easily yeah. can become a defamation lawsuit. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing too is if you have a non-compete you'd be well served to share that fact with your new employer. Um, you know, there are situations where an employee goes from company A and goes to company B, doesn't tell company B about the non-compete, all of a sudden they get hit with a cease and desist letter. And sometimes the company B will just let that employee go because they're gonna see that as, as dishonesty by omission. Um, so, you know, I think you, you wanna be pretty open on your way out with your former company and you want to be pretty open with your new employer as well so that, you know, nothing's, nothing's being hidden. And heaven, heaven help you if you've had to sign a non-compete and forgot about it right? <laughs> because you're still liable and on the hook for that. So don't let that, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I actually ran into this recently, not personally, but the physician that I go to, we go through, a subscription-based uh, direct PPO model uh, for direct uh, care. And he's told stories about doctors who get in with hospitals and then are stuck with non-competes and they can't practice medicine anymore if yeah. they want to leave. So yeah, it's definitely something <laughs> to take into consideration. Um, what kind of, let's go on to the interview process because this one is a little bit also tricky because people who are doing interviews aren't necessarily trained by HR or trained in business school to do interviews and do them well. And they might ask questions that are really wrong. <laughs> They're questions you, you can't ask in interviews. And I know this and you know this, but that's not, some people don't know that, <laughs> especially the person giving an interview. What exact, what are some of the questions that an employer can't ask uh, during an interview? Could you give some advice on that? Sure. So, I mean, there's generally protected characteristics by law. So, yeah, I mean, for instance, you can't discriminate against someone based upon race or gender or religion, disability, medical condition, um, pregnancy, all those things. Um, so because you can't discriminate against someone based upon those protected characteristics under the law, interviewers really shouldn't be asking questions about that because all that does is raise a doubt of, you know, 
if, if I have a disability and the interviewer, you the interviewer asking me questions about that disability and all, all of a sudden I don't get the job, now I'm left with the impression that I didn't get that job because of my disability or any other protected class. So, you know, pretty standard advice that I give to my corporate clients is stay the heck away from all those all those issues and you know this i think goes both ways both for employers and employees be careful what's out there on social media um you know employers may stumble across this information um that they're, they they would otherwise avoid in an interview by looking on social media and you know if you're out there searching for a job you should really give your social media a scrub and make sure there's nothing out there that's incendiary or you know, offensive or anything like that, keep it right in the middle of the fairway because that could be the difference between getting a job and not getting a job. That's so true. Yeah, we always tell clients on their LinkedIn profile, never put your high school or your college graduation dates unless, you're unless it was relatively recent because you can be identified, you can guess your age. If you say, well, I, I'm from the class of, of 1988. Oh, well, okay, you're 50 years old and I don't wanna hire somebody who's 50. <laughs> whether they intentionally or unintentionally no, uh, so that, that's yeah yeah an element of being savvy on social media both your personal stuff and your professional stuff yeah people never think about social media but that's a good point to bring up now what now that brings up a, a secondary question what if you do put that out there say you are a ordained minister at such and such house of worship mm -hmm. and you put that on your resume is that still a forbidden topic or can the interviewer bring it up? You know, I think there, if it's, if it's part of your employment history, um, you, you're a little safer to, to explore that. Now, I'm not sure, you know, outside of, I'm not sure what an interview would gain by asking those questions too, unless it was, yeah. you know, why are you leaving this employment and going to this? But there's certainly no reason for the interview to be probing religious beliefs um, gotcha. in the course of an interview. Okay, all right, excellent. Um, now, before you sign any sort of contract, they always say you should read it. <laughs> That's a weird idea, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, what What is some advice you would give somebody if they're signing up for a company and they're they're they have to sign an employment contract? Generally speaking, those can be something pretty straightforward, which is we will pay you this amount of money. What do you need to know before you put your name on that dotted line at the bottom of the document? What are some things to consider? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, um, you know, first of all, obviously you need to read it and be comfortable with it. And I would tell you if it's, if it's got non-compete, non-solicit or any other kind of legalese in there that you don't feel comfortable with, go talk to a lawyer. Um, go talk to a lawyer that specializes in this because, you know, a, a non-compete agreement, for instance, prohibits you from competing within it within a certain scope of employment, within a certain geographic territory, within a certain amount of time. That's different than a, a customer non-solicit that basically says, hey, you can't touch any of the customers that you, you know, regardless of your physical location, you can't touch any of those customers. And there's also the employee non-solicit, which I call the Jerry Maguire clause about who's coming with me. We're basically saying you can't go, you can't go raid your former coworkers as yeah. well. So. Gotcha. You know, if you're going to sign something, you really need to understand the meets and bounds of what you're able to do. That way you can, you know, you can weigh the risk reward on that as well. Um, you know, one other thing, anybody, you know, this, this goes beyond employment, but looking at any contract is, does it have an attorney's fees provision in there? Basically mm -hmm. saying that 
if, if you violate that agreement, can the other side come after you for their attorney's fees that they incurred? Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty common provision and that, that can oh, yeah. make it very expensive. So, I mean, if we're looking for, for things that should grab your attention and, and you know, if, if you never violate your agreement, you have nothing to worry about. But, yeah. um, you know, these are certainly things that you at least want to know what you can do and can't do before you sign on the dotted line. Gotcha. And I assume that goes, same goes for any sort of separation agreements. And is that, that's somewhat common when somebody has been terminated, you know, please sign this document so you can't this, that, or the other. Any, any advice there or pretty much just the same thing, read it and make sure that you've talked to an attorney if you need to. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, if, if you're signing a, an agreement on the way out, there's a trade-off. You're presumably getting money in exchange for waiving some rights that you have. So you just, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, people still sign them because the money's worth it, particularly maybe in a certain situation. But, you know, you just want to go into these things with your eyes wide open. So just understand what you're getting and what you're giving in that situation. Gotcha. Okay. And recently I was discussing this upcoming topic with a, with a friend and he said, well, I heard non-competes aren't, aren't uh, enforceable, <laughs> enforceable, That's especially when you and I are both in the state of Indiana and they, they quote, quote unquote, aren't enforceable. Can you speak to that a little bit? Just because, you know, again, we we're discussing it. How, how does that, how did that idea ever come? <laughs> into, what? Into, I have no idea how that idea came out, but it's a very dangerous one because they absolutely are enforceable. I mean, I just wrote a, a Fort Wayne Business Weekly column for this month, uh, you know, on the enforceability of non-competes. And the reality is some are enforceable and some aren't, but if, again, circling back to these, if they are enforceable and you're violating it, uh, more times than not, you're going to get sued for it. And those are incredibly expensive lawsuits. Uh, and it, you got to keep in mind too, most individuals aren't on equal economic footing with a company. The company's going to have the deep pockets and the ability to go after former employees if they believe they're violating it. And most individuals don't have, you know, 50, 60 grand just laying around to burn on attorney's fees. So, <laughs> I would say that that is a, if you hear somebody say, uh, you know, non-competes are unenforceable, it's, it's about the same as them saying the earth is flat. I mean, that, that there's, there's some skepticism there. Good point. Good point. Um, so, and if you have an NDA, uh, non-disclosure agreement, you're forced to sign one, uh, how do you honor that as you go into a new employer? Is there, are there things to consider there as well? No, there absolutely are. And I, I mean, this is kind of a common theme that we've been talking through, but you got to understand with that NDA, you know, maybe you worked in an R&D job or something and you were, you were privy to highly proprietary information. Um, you got to understand what that ND allows you to do and what it doesn't allow you to do. And, you know, you, you don't want to come anywhere close to that line uh, on getting into prohibited activity because, you know, I've, I've, you know, numerous lawsuits right now where people have violated either trade secrets or confidentiality or non-competes and they become highly emotional cases because the company feels very spurned that they paid this employee, you know, a salary and they made promises and then they aren't following them. And it usually results in economic damage to the former company too, because they're, they're losing out on the value of their proprietary information or sales or anything like that. So they are they're highly emotional cases on both sides. 
and I've known a lot of companies that when they pay for development of an employee, say through a certification or a licensure or even a degree, uh, they will sometimes say you need to work for this amount of period of time to to put a to protect their investment. And that's that's fair as well too. That's not that's not out of the realm of possibility, is it? No, that usually that's done in a reimbursement policy, essentially saying, hey, the company's going to pay for you to get this certification or take this class or even get this degree. Uh, and they'll pay for it so long as you agree to stay employed for, you know, a certain amount of time, two, three, four years. That's, that's a pretty common device. Okay. okay, excellent. Well, you know, we always want to know a little bit about how careers work and how careers involve. And you're our first attorney, <laughs> Adam. So, so tell us a little about the legal profession. We're going we're gonna to switch gears here. Uh, tell us what drew you to the law uh, and how, does, how is that working out for you? What, what, tell us a little about your, your career journey. Sure. So, you know, I, uh, no, no lawyers in my family. Um, so for, first lawyer, um, I think my parents, you know, would tell me as a teenager, I, I very much enjoyed arguing, uh, probably for the sake of arguing, but when you're a teenager, you know, everything, so you're always right. Right. So, uh, <laughs> true. always kind of been, was interested in it through high school and college. So took the leap and, and went to Notre Dame for law school, uh, and have ended up at, at Barnes and Thornburg, um, that's the only firm I've ever worked for. Um, mm -hmm. and it's been fun to grow with them. Yeah. I've been there almost 14 years now. When we started, yeah. we had six offices and we've got about 18 across the country, coast to coast now. Um, it's so, a big firm. <laughs> big firm, big firm. Um, but, you know, even working in the Fort Wayne office, though, we've got about 20 lawyers. So you've got a, mm -hmm. you know, a small kind of family feel, but the resources of a large firm as well. And that's, it's been a very good dynamic for us. And Great. you know, I ended up in labor and employment, and I, mm -hmm. what I've uh, what really happened was in my third year of law school, my labor professor walked in on the very first day and said she wrote the seven words that you can't say from George Carlin on TV on the chalkboard. Oh, 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 oh. Said, oh yeah, I know those words well. <laughs> if you get into labor, you're going to get to say these all the time at work, and I was hooked. That's um, awesome. <laughs> So I, I immediately got into the labor and employment department uh, at BNT. I've been there the entire time. I probably do half kind of day-to-day -day, uh, employment counseling, um, you know, or litigation stuff like discrimination lawsuits or non-competes. And then the other half are traditional labor. So dealing with unions, collective, you know, union negotiations, that sort of thing. This is kind of how my, my plate gets filled out. And as you can see, I'm, we're in month four of working from home right now, and uh, really, uh, our office is, is slowly reopened, so like I think mm -hmm. most have. So I think uh, this this view right here is the view I'm going to have for at least the next few months. And it's you know, yeah. credit to technology that uh, you know you can. I was discussing this with a colleague the other day. I think with an internet connection and a phone, I could do this job from pretty much anywhere. So um, yeah. that's, yeah. that's been helpful in this particular situation. Yep, and that is the future of work, is the work from home. If you can do it, it is a, definitely a benefit. So, well, well, Adam, I appreciate your time today. It's been a, a wealth of information has been shared here, and hopefully our audience took something away from it. And if they, if they, they will look you up online uh, and reach out to you if they have questions. Uh, and, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you for joining us. We, we, if you want to find out more about 
uh, how you can take your career to the next level, please feel free to visit our website. Check us out on LinkedIn. Connect with us. We love to meet new people. We hope you all have a great week. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.